Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to the latest podcast episode. I have the amazing Shannon here, and I'm excited to talk to her because she's a CPA, she's a speaker, and she's a podcast host. If you guys haven't heard about her podcast, it's Keep What You Earn. And um, check it out. It's free. She gives out golden nuggets every single episode. And I'm just excited to talk to you today about everything about business, taxes, stuff like that. So appreciate you, Shannon, for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Cool, cool. So, I mean, let's just get started. Just let everyone know who Shannon is, like where you came from, and just, let's kind of go from there. Sure. I'm a, I'm a daughter of a fellow CPA who lost a bet with him and started majoring in accounting. And uh, I ended up actually, I'm, I've always been a lover of teaching and language, and I wanted to be a Spanish teacher growing up. And my dad kind of convinced me that the language I should be teaching is the language of business because I took an accounting class. I absolutely loved it. And he's like, if you understand this stuff, you need to share it with other people uh, because nobody can explain this stuff. Nobody understands this. And if you can understand it at age 16, you're fine. You're golden. So, uh, so I ended up pursuing a career in accounting. I worked for the big four. I worked for fortune 50 companies. I, I excelled and wrote up the corporate ladder and still felt unfulfilled and still felt a little bit empty that I wasn't helping actual people and that the byproduct of my work was getting thrown in the trash every year. So I said, you know what? I really want to start my own practice serving small business owners. And that's what I did in 2019. Cool. 2019. Um, so why do you think it's so hard for people to understand accounting and just the whole business aspect of it? Like, what do you think that happens so much? I, I fundamentally believe that a lot of the subjects we hate in school are because we had bad teachers. Mm. And I think that a lot of times the folks who understand this stuff do a really crap job of explaining it mm. in a way that's understandable. So I equally say it's hard to explain it to people who don't understand it and it's hard to teach it. It's hard to convey it. I think it's also really intimidating and there's a lot of emotions attached to finances and money for people because they have their own story of how they interpreted money growing up or what money meant to them. It could have meant restriction. It could have meant stress. It could have meant their parents fighting. So they avoid the topic altogether. So I think there's a bit of avoidance, but I think there's also a bit of this kind of repelling that we've done of people actually wanting to learn it. Gotcha. Yeah, I totally agree with that one. So you said in 2019, you started your own business and you kind of went from there. What exactly do you do to help out small businesses? So we operate as a fractional CFO practice. And what that actually means is that I'm the acting chief financial officer for about eight to 10 different companies. And what we do is we, we do the bookkeeping. We do everything down to the tax returns. That's just the compliance side of stuff that has to get done. The real fun part is actually strategizing with the business owners, forecasting their cash flow, doing projections, looking at deal flow, looking at all the things that could be coming down the pike, looking at the the potholes that are coming up down the road and saying, hey, we got to prepare for that. Or looking at cash reserve, looking at hiring, you know, can we hire somebody? When can we hire somebody? How much can we pay them? All these types of decisions that business owners have to make, we're there by their side, helping them make it using their data and their numbers. Oh, okay, cool. Wow. So you guys do everything, basically. Uh, forecasting, <laughs> cash flow and cash reserve. How how important is that to kind of go in detail with the business owner? Like what what's the benefit of that analysis, that part of it? Yeah, I think a lot of business owners look at 
their numbers as two-dimensional profitability. By two-dimensional, I mean revenue minus expenses equals profitability. You're considering those two factors. What cash flow takes into account is a third dimension, time. The timing of when money comes in or money goes out is crucial, especially I know you have a lot of audience members in real estate. So when you're looking at deal flow and you're looking at flips, you're looking at rentals, when money comes in and when money goes out is essential because you may have to say yes or no to things based on what the cash balance is telling you you have in the bank, even though you know you're going to be getting money in from a flip. If you don't mm -hmm. have it in yet, you can't make a deposit on the next thing. So you have to be mm -hmm. timing that appropriately so that you're not missing out on opportunities, but you're also not driving yourself to broke because you want to make sure that you're actually making money and that you're keeping it, hence the name of the show. And mm -hmm. it's just so important to understand the timing aspect of what you're doing, not just conceptually, there's money that will be coming in, but if it ain't in your bank account, you don't have it yet. So you can't be spending it yet. So we always look at that. And, um, and using that to forecast the activity that's going to happen just to give a little bit of peace of mind to know, Hey, I'm going to be all right. You know, instead of living by the survival stress level all the time. Oh my gosh. I bet. Uh, you mentioned real estate, right? A lot of the clients or the audiences mm -hmm. around that, that niche, I, from your experience, cause you have all different clientele, like I'm sure you had them use, you know, um, different strategies to save on taxes, right? um to make sure they don't pay enough but if they have reserves or cash just sitting there to buy other properties do you guys kind of go over that strategy with them as well so they can kind of figure out exactly what to do with the money and have some savings yeah yeah everyone's tech situation is different and everyone has their own unique strategies like i would never tell someone they have to go buy real estate because their goal is to save money in taxes and i go hey you should go buy a property if they don't want to be a landlord or they don't want to, you know, flip it or they don't want to manage real estate, then that's not the right strategy for them. Even though it saves them money in taxes, they would probably rather pay the taxes than deal with all that. So I always want to make sure it's custom to people and that they follow what they will actually follow through with from a strategy perspective. But, um, but ultimately we do have advisors. I have fellow CPAs I consult with and we will work on strategies with them to make sure it makes sense for their unique situation. A lot of the, the strategies we implement are for the businesses. So it would be something as simple as, you know, hiring your kids into the business or electing the escort or um, possibly, uh, you know, using the Augusta rule, which people have heard of, which is when you can rent out your home to your business. Mm -hmm. And these strategies are unique to each person, whether you can implement them or not, and you can document them well. And they're not for everybody. Like the S Corp isn't for everybody. So what we'll do is we'll evaluate the strategies that are most viable and help them implement them if they decide they want to go through with it. Cool. Yeah. You mentioned um, hiring your kids for people who don't know. What's the benefit mm -hmm. for that part, that little strategy? It's one of my favorite strategies to implement because it has so many different benefits. Uh, but it is also some of the most intense implementation from a documentation perspective. So it has to be really worth it. And what, what I mean is when you hire your kids, you can pay them up to, in 2023, it's $13,850. It will change every year based on, the, it's the standard deduction. So you can pay them up to the standard deduction and they don't have to pay any income taxes, which is awesome because they're kids and that's all the money they made all year. Now they have part-time jobs because they're like 14 to 18, let's say. They have part-time jobs, that all gets added together. So they can't make more than that in total. Keep that in mind. To, to avoid paying the taxes. But if they're making less than that and they're making it from you, let's say, you get to take a business expense deduction for paying them payroll 
and they get to not pay income taxes. So really it's a tax-free transfer of money. Not only that, you can then put that money into, let's say a Roth IRA, which grows tax-free. So now it's completely tax-free now and later. And you know your kids can graduate from college, let's say, or reach their mid twenties and have all this money saved up from when they worked when they were kids. And oh wow, damn! Like my down payment's ready, you know, to pay for my first house. So it's a really cool idea. It also teaches kids about money. You set them up a checking account, they work for you, and you can teach them a little bit about hey, this is what it means to get a paycheck, and you know take taxes out of it if you want to, you know, your own personal taxes, if you want to like show them what it's like. <laughs> when I was 14 and I started working, my first question was, why didn't I make all my money? What is this? And uh, yeah. that was the first conversation with like, I'm sorry, Shan, welcome to adulthood. Uh, so it, with kids, it's so much fun to expose them to that as well. Because like I said earlier, the, the lack of exposure is what contributes to a financial illiteracy in the country. And I think that the sooner we can start those conversations, the better. But you have to make sure that you're able to pay the kids that amount of money legitimately based on their skill set, their age, what they're doing. You can't pay your you know seven-year-old uh, $1,000 a month to drive you around. That's not <laughs> going to work. You have to make sure it all makes sense in the story. Gotcha. Documenting and making sure you're doing it properly. Hands down. I agree. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, have you ever had clients that missed the tax deadlines or they have to have an extension? Is that like a bad thing or a good thing? Mm -hmm. Like a, I've never happened to me, but I'm just kind of curious how that process works. It's never a bad thing to do an extension. It just gives you more time to file the paperwork. But one common misconception is that an extension gives you more time to pay. And that's mm -hmm. the difference. So an extension gives you more time to file the paperwork, not make the payment. So what we'll do is now understand accountants, we're busy as heck, you know, and they keep compressing this deadline. They give you your tax documents in February, maybe even March. And we have to file it in April for hundreds of y'all. So it's like, that's not fair. So what we'll end up doing is if we don't have all the documents in by a certain day, we will immediately extend everybody and say, okay, we're just going to buy ourselves more time because we need more time to file all this paperwork. We don't want to kill our staff and we don't want, you guys don't want us working on your returns at three in the morning. <laughs> no. So basically what we do is we extend everybody out to give us more time to breathe. But what we'll try to do is estimate how much you're going to owe by using the big numbers, kind of putting the big rocks in the jar and kind of figuring out, okay, roughly we're looking at this, make a payment of X by April 15th. And then that way you won't incur a lot of penalties and interest because you'll have made your payment on time. And then now we have plenty of time to file the paperwork. Now, I'm personally not a fan of doing taxes over the summer. I don't like to do it all the way until the October drop dead deadline. Uh, I would definitely communicate with your CPA on the expectations of, hey, if I get you all the documents by April 1st, could you get them done by May 31st, maybe, or June 30th? Like, what are the what's the timeline I can expect? Because most people don't hear from their accountant until September. <laughs> and then they're like, hey, where's all my stuff? I gave it to you six months ago. And I think communication is key to know what the expectations will be for your return. But as always, make a payment of something. If you think you might owe, make a payment before April 15th. That will save you a ton of time, energy, and money. Oh, okay. Good to know. I didn't know that part. <laughs> IRS comes after you, right? Uh -huh. Um. What are tax benefits for uh, living outside of the USA, like a, a, that part of it? 
or from your experience, I would yeah, say. Yeah, there is a there is a slight yeah there is a slight benefit now tax benefit wise. Like for example, I live outside the USA, and I don't really get a tax benefit except I get lifestyle arbitrage. I call it. So I get mm-hmm. to make money in the states and I get to spend it here, where the cost of living is far cheaper. Mm-hmm. Now that's the main benefit. Uh, and I live in Costa Rica, by the way. Uh, and I basically, um, from a tax perspective. Like we've all heard of going to Puerto Rico where they pay 4% taxes. Now that is U.S. territory. So if you're going outside of U.S. territory, then, you know, if you spend a certain amount of time, the vast majority of the year, I want to say it's like, I think it was 320. Don't quote me on this, but 320 or more days, it may even be up to like, you know, 330. I think, I think it's 320. Um, if you spend that much time outside of the U.S., you can apply for the foreign earned income exclusion. This is very uncommon is what I encounter. So mm-hmm. if you're uh, if you're out of the U.S. most of the year, you can basically say, hey, and not just most of the year, like vast majority. Mm-hmm. You can say, hey, I basically live and earn income abroad. I don't pay, I shouldn't pay taxes on that income here. Uh, that's not the case for us. So uh, and I don't have any clients that have this happen. But there is the possibility that you'll have better income tax treatment abroad. But one thing to keep in mind, especially from my context in Costa Rica, I don't really want to be taxed and pay taxes here, even though it is cheaper. The system here is much more complicated. It's much more, you know, even though the tax code is not as complicated, the process of filing taxes, understanding the expectations, the fact that the government can just kind of decide what your bill is um, and they just tell you, they just send you a bill for what your taxes are. I was like, especially being a CPA, I'm like, I kind of like just knowing how it works up in the States and Mm -hmm. I'm familiar with it versus Costa Rica. So there's a bunch of different reasons that you would consider, you know, possibly moving abroad. I definitely wouldn't move abroad just for tax reasons necessarily. You have to really want to change your lifestyle like that. Cool. Yeah. Well said. I didn't know any of that. Um, what made you move to Costa Rica at all places? Just curious. So, uh, so funny enough, we, we visited Costa Rica on a vacation in 2019 to visit my husband's parents. They were snowboarding down here. Uh, they absolutely love it down here. And we mm-hmm. visited for about two weeks, fell in love with the place. And we said, okay, this is beautiful. We want to vacation here like every year. This is amazing. I love this country. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, after our trip, my father-in-law was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Jason, my husband and I decided to purchase a house for him down here because he loved it so much. We said, you know what, we're going to buy a house down there so he can stay there as long as he wants to. He can, you know, basically retire and spend his last days down there because we knew he didn't have a lot of time. Um, Unfortunately, so we bought the house in May, 2020, right after the pandemic, Mm -hmm. we uh, started building it. It was a new construction. It was finished in September. Um, Unfortunately, he passed in July, so he never got to see it. Hmm. So we ended up moving in uh, to, we moved in, we, we, you know, arranged everything, got to visit and see the house finished. Uh, And then, you know, the more time we spent here, the more we were like, we don't really want to go back. (laughs) Like, this is actually great. We have fiber optic internet. We're all working remote. It's the pandemic. We're not allowed to go out. We're not allowed to go anywhere without a mask in the States down here. It was like, yeah, COVID's a thing. Just be careful, but not, you know, it was very much, it's much looser because everything is open air. Mm-hmm. There's like no windows and doors on half the buildings. It's like, because <laughs> it's all, you know, between the 70 and 90 degrees down here. So we said, you know what? Let's stick around down here. It's actually nice. It's refreshing. Um, there's a lot of cool people down here. It was quiet. So we said, yeah, we'll stay. And uh, we ended up spending 11 months of 2021 here. 
like oh. or uh, that was eight months of 2021. And we said, wow, okay, we think we really like it here. We thought it was going to be a couple weeks a year thing. And now we're uh, probably 75% Costa Rica, 25% US. That's a nice, nice uh, ratio though. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite thing about Costa Rica? Is it the beach? Is it the food? Uh, believe it or not, the people and culture. Everyone is mm. so damn friendly. It's like being in the South in the United States. It's refreshing how nice everybody is. Um, <laughs> And everyone's just out to help you and just neighborly. Uh, something as simple as you can go down the street and ask for something. You can post on the local Facebook group and someone will help you out. Bring something down from Amazon for you from the States next time they fly down. Um, it's like a college campus of retirees. It's really funny. I say it's like a college town with a bunch of, uh, you know, 60 to 80 year olds in golf carts. It's really funny. Um <laughs> So there's a lot of folks who live down here full time. There's a lot of people who retired here, a lot of people with tons of stories to share. But I love not just the expat community, but I love the local community. I speak Spanish fluently, so it really helps to communicate with locals and to learn their stories as well and immerse yourself in the culture. So I just really like the culture down here of being neighborly, having a community that has your back and looking out for each other. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I slack on my Spanish, so kudos to you for being fluent in that part. Um, when, when should someone seek financial professionals like you guys? Like, when should they reach out to you to see if you can help them? Is there like a criteria or how does that work? So depending on, I love this because there's so many different financial professionals. So mm -hmm. it's kind of, it's like asking the question of, you know, when should I call a doctor? I'm like, well, it depends, <laughs> right? On like what you got going on, but I think there's also different levels of it. So I think mm -hmm. that if you're a business owner, what you should probably do first is talk to a bookkeeper, somebody who can help you get your finances in order, get the data that you need. Calling someone like us is when you're ready to turn that data into decisions, when you're ready to use it in your business wisely and to use it for strategy. And then tax professionals can help you file your tax returns. They can prepare it for you. There are also people who focus on tax strategy who can help you co-author the story as opposed to just publish it. So. Mm -hmm. It's really important to understand who you're looking for in your business or in your personal life based on what your unique goals are. Like, what are you trying to achieve or what are you trying to solve for? If you go out there and say, hey, I'm looking for a doctor. Of course, the next question is, well, what's going on? Like, do you need a dermatologist, a brain surgeon, a pediatrician, like, mm -hmm. like a podiatrist? Like, what is it? And all of them are called doctor. And people say accountant. And I want people to understand that's the same thing. Like you're saying, I need an accountant. I'm like, well, what flavor? <laughs> like what kind? What do you need done? So we know who to call because as, as much as we, we appreciate the accolades like CPAs and accountants, we are, a lot of us are heavily specialized in one corner of accounting because it's such a big, broad area mm -hmm. that we typically are specialized in something. So finding the right specialist for you is key instead of just looking for an overall generalist who passed their exam on every area, but maybe They've worked in a certain area since. And you want to make sure you know someone who's in, either in your industry or specializes in the issue that you're trying to solve. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know for a lot of people out there. Um, you help out so many small business owners and entrepreneurs. And I mean, you're growing your own business yourself. So how, what's the best way to set someone up for success when they're building a business, in your opinion? A new business. I would say setting yourself up to stay organized from day one. Like, you know, when you move into a new apartment or a new house 
And you immediately go, okay, like this is going to be the whatever nook, the whatever drawer, like you have a chance to set everything up for success to stay organized and to stay orderly. Then I, I would say, instead of throwing everything on the living room floor and saying, I'll deal with it later, just put stuff away where it belongs when you move in. And then that way it will be a lot easier than when you have a giant stack of clutter and you have to put it away later when company comes over. So the way I would put that is when your business finances, it's the same thing. Have some type of bookkeeping and organization. Put the stuff where it belongs. Keep track of your paperwork. Keep track of all the stuff that you're doing when you start your business. And you'll be set up for success later because at least if you're separating your business and personal finances, then everything else is secondary. By commingling the two, you're going to set yourself up for a ton of cleanup work down the line. So just if you keep those two things separated and you keep track of things, I always say, even if it's crayon on a napkin, I don't care. You're keeping track of it. It's numbers somewhere that we can see, but it's a lot better to keep track of it some way you'll be consistent with than to let it just kind of all stack up and then say, I'll deal with it later when I'm, when I'm big enough to deal with this. The problem is guys, when you're big enough to deal with it, it's big enough to be hard to deal with. So you want to wait until the stake, you don't want to wait till the stakes are higher. You want to do it while the stakes are low and set the habits right now. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I'm sure throughout the years, you've seen a lot of hot mess with paperwork and and statements and all that stuff. It can Mm -hmm. get very crazy, very crazy. Um, Shannon, what's next for you? Like, you know, we're in December hitting the new year of 2024. Do you have any plans in the next year as far as growing? and? Uh, yeah. You know how people have those like word of the year things? I really yeah. love those because it gives you a focus area because somebody like me, I'm an Enneagram three. You couldn't like, what are you up to next year? I'm like, oh, like 200 different things. I guarantee you. But I like to say that my word of 2024 is going to be simplify. I'm trying to streamline, simplify. it's addition by subtraction. So it's reducing what we're doing, reducing the number of systems we use, reducing the number of of initiatives we're doing. Uh, You know, we're, we're making the podcast more efficient and getting back to basics on what is it we're trying to accomplish with each of these things we're doing in the business. And once we feel like we have a direction for that, take out all the extra stuff, edit it down. Uh, What was it? Coco Chanel said, like, before you leave the house, take one thing off. I go, Mm -hmm. that's my and that's like my new mantra for 2024 is like, what can we take off of this process without sacrificing the result just to save ourselves the time and energy and redirect that somewhere else? So I say that that is my focus for 2024 in growing the business. Mm-hmm. And um, my husband just sold his business. So we are mm-hmm. location agnostic 100% and we are going to be spending more time in Costa Rica and get more involved down here. So that's another personal goal of mine is to volunteer more often and kind of get mm-hmm. uh, immersed in the community more. Nice. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I've never been to Costa Rica. My wife has family out there. I need to go check it out. But um, Shannon, uh, your podcast, uh, Keep What You Earn, right? I want to talk a little bit more about that just quickly. Like, what exactly sure. is your podcast about and how it can help people out there? My podcast is about basically money mindset, 
tax strategies, business strategies, how to grow your business with a CFO in your pocket in your ear every morning. Uh, my solo episodes are like 10 to 15 minute bite-sized chunks of, you know, pieces of wisdom that I've gathered from working with clients or my years in corporate, or just some ideas that have been like hitting me lately that I want to share with everybody that I'm sharing with my clients too. So you get a little bit of that insight and that person, even if you don't have that person on your side that you're talking to, because maybe it's hard to talk to that person, like mm-hmm. hard to talk to an accountant, or you don't even know who to hire, or you feel like you can't afford that person. Mm-hmm. Use this in the meantime, just to have those voices in your head and get that influence to be thinking about your numbers a little bit and how you can use it to your advantage. But also uh, we have a ton of guests on the show that will help you with all the different types of strategies from marketing to sales, to wealth building and investing, uh, all of these things and tax strategy experts. And it's so much fun because you get such a different, diverse array of guests on the show. And we do release five episodes a week. So there's always something new to share. Oh, okay. Wow. Congrats to that. Five episodes a week. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> wow. Okay. So guys, check out her podcast. I'll have the link everything below. Um, Shannon, for anyone that wants to learn more about your services, like what's the best way for them to reach out to you and your company to learn about? taxes and CPA. Sure thing. So yeah, head to keepwhatyouearncfo.com. Keepwhatyouearncfo.com. We'll get you to our CFO services page. And uh, of course you can check out the podcast, keep what you earn. And all of the links are in the show notes for ways you can work with us or things you can download from us as well. Mm, Cool. 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 Cool guys. I'll have the notes there. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, let me know Uh, directly to Shannon and her website and all her company needs. Um, Shannon, thank you so much for coming on. I know you're busy. I'd like to ask one last ep- uh, question on the episode that I ask each guest. I can never remember what it is, but it what keeps you going every day when you want to give up? Whether it, when when you first started when you were 16, when you're 2019 your business, or even now. How can you reflect mm-hmm. off that? We have a we have a vision statement that's super clear. Keep what you earn, and that is always kind of like I really need to put it like a frame or something above my desk. But it's <laughs> uh, financial information should be a source of inspiration, not intimidation. And mm-hmm. I serve that mission every day with how can I show up and help make that a reality for people because I feel like I have a responsibility as someone who can teach with analogies, examples, and relatable stuff to share that as much as I can. So that keeps me going, especially when people appreciate and say they've learned something from the show. Cool. I like it. I love it. All right, guys, you heard it first. Shannon here. Uh, Check her out. She's going to be blowing up. I mean, she's already blowing up, but uh, check out all her cool content. Um, Really love chatting with you, Shannon. Thank you so much. Guys, until the next episode, peace out.